Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We look at the game and um, what matchups you had. And uh, so, yeah, this one, this one's, again, familiarity helps. Um I'm not really excited playing Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes. Uh, that's that's a, a formidable challenge, but uh, our guys will be up for it. Bruce Arians from earlier in the week talking about what is looming in just 11 days, Super Bowl 55, and the Buccaneers will have to figure out how to slow down that Kansas City Chiefs offense. I was talking about this yesterday on PFTP. I mean, 290 total yards for Kelsey and Hill. You can't take one of them away. You just have to deal with the fact that they're both going to get you and can you outscore whatever they put on the board, Chris? That, well, that that's you're right to a degree. You really are. That's where they're special. Uh, and, and that's where, like, Mahomes is special, too, because he won't let the di- the defense, like, dictate that all the time. That's where it's, it's amazing. There's just too many plays where I watch all year long where I go, they're doubling Travis Kelsey. It's very apparent before the snap. Mahomes gets the ball. Who's he stare at? Travis Kelsey. He just goes, ah, I don't care. We, we, they double him all the time. I'm not going to get off him just because there's two guys there. He knows how to run the route or do whatever, even with two guys on him. And they'll still throw him the ball. So they're not going to shy away from getting their guys in positions to make plays and do things about like that. That's what I love about them. They keep the pressure on you always. They're not like, oh, they took him away, so forget it. We're not going to call any of those plays. They just go, wait, oh, they're taking him away? Oh, let's go to plan B, the taking away, taking him away type plays, and they start to work him that way, and, and he does it with Hill and, and Kelsey, and that's what's amazing about it. When you watch that offense and when it's clicking, you just constantly have the defense on its heels. That's that's yes. the, the mentality right. that comes through. Like, can we get a can we take a timeout? Can we take a breather? Can we just collect ourselves? And it's relentless. And when you've got weapons like Hill and Kelsey, it makes it so much easier for yeah. a guy like Mahomes to make it happen. And I know there are people out there saying, well, one of the reasons Mahomes is Mahomes is because of Hill and Kelsey. Well, one of the reasons Hill and Kelsey are Hill and Kelsey is that's because right. of Mahomes. We it didn't know who Hill together. was when Alex Smith was there. I mean, we knew he was a fast punt oh, we returner. Did. We, no, we did. Well, we, no, he, no, no. No revisionist history. He was pretty damn good 2017. He, that was his second season. Punt returns, things like that. That was 2016. I I get it, but it's still – it wasn't the same, and it was not the same because I can remember there in the 2017 season just going, yeah, Alex Smith threw for 250 yards and a touchdown today, but he there was 500 yards to be had out there, and he wouldn't throw – you know, just wouldn't throw the ball down the field that way. But that that's – you know, Mike, you, you're right about how they attack and – the pressure they put you under, and that's to me one of the things that jumped out about the game last night and what's going to be interesting about the Tampa game because Tampa likes to attack, but they learned very quickly in that first game, like, well, you got to worry about attacking too aggressively against this team or a receiver will have 200 yards in the first quarter. That's where it's a different animal, and it's going to be interesting in this matchup because it's really aggressive versus aggressive. And Kansas City, because of their early season – Slow games on offense, the Chargers losing to the Raiders, the uh, the Patriots game that they barely won without Cam Newton and all that stuff. That 
that was the the jump off point for them really getting to where they are now and going, wait, we got to grow our underneath offense and we can't just call deep shots and just think we're going to make plays if we just keep calling it. And they, they went to another level somewhere around week eight or 10 with that part of their playbook. And that's where they become almost unstoppable in, in our opinions. I remember talking to Patrick Mahomes after the 2018 season, where do you try to get better next year? What's the challenge? And and that was the time. And that was two years ago now, two seasons ago now, where he knew they're going to do everything they can to take away the shots down the field. Right. I have to be patient. You know, as a quarterback, he wants to make the big throw. He wants to pick up 50 yards of real estate whenever and wherever he can. He doesn't want to do the little short pass, but what did we see? What, what was Tyreek Hill's biggest impact on Sunday? That that dropped the long one. Right, it was the little short one. He just let him go do his thing and turn guys around and make pro athletes look like high school players. No, that that's exactly right. They have a short passing game in which they can just go. No, no, we're we're all running short routes and we can dice you up that way. And their RPO game is as dangerous as anybody in football. I mean, what that play with Tyreek Hill, it's it's basically Mahomes. He's got the ball. He's reading the weak side linebacker, and he's going, wait, he's following the run game. Whoa, there's a hole there. Let me throw the slant to Tyreek Hill. They have a lot of different ways to do that. And then the other thing that they're great at is even to throw it short, they don't always call short plays, which is a pet peeve of ours, right? It's like the Steelers. It's like, whoa, okay, they're going to throw it, and they're going to throw it short every play. So now we can play – you know, short coverages and things like that. Kansas City still does to like what you're talking about, Mike. It'll still be McCole Hardman and and uh, Tyree Kill deep, and then they'll have Kelsey as the underneath guy with all this room working on some linebacker to where Mahomes can still drop back and go, wait, I want to be aggressive. I want to throw a 40-yard rifle, and the defense is running back. Oh, gosh, here comes the deep ball. Okay, nothing's there. Boom, Kelsey underneath, and now he catches a ball and makes the guy miss and then gets a 15-yard gain on a six-yard throw, and that's where they become very dangerous as well to, to what you're saying, Mike. This offense in many respects is as good, if not better, than the greatest show-offs on turf. Definitely. Rams of 99 through 2001. But they don't have a Marshall Falk. Right. Can you – I mean, we thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire would have a bigger impact than he did. He started strong. He had some flashes, but he, he hasn't become – what I think we envisioned or the Chiefs envisioned. He could be next year. Yeah. Maybe he just right. needed a year to get his feet under him. We get spoiled by running backs who come into the NFL and take it by storm right away, although typically you find out in that first year or two whether or not that running back's going to be special. But to think that they're doing it without a huge threat in the backfield, I, and the reason is, uh, oh, look, Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, one of the great stories of all time in the National Football League's annals, but at the same time, Patrick Mahomes is head and shoulders above him and so many other Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Sure. We've just never seen anything like a Patrick no, Mahomes, right. especially when you get him in this postseason setting and he ramps his his game up to a higher level or two or three. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and you're right. They don't have that aspect. Um, but it's the, the play. And, man, do I have a lot of respect for that Rams team and what they did and how awesome they were to watch. So certainly not trying to disrespect them. But I do feel like – you know, after the Super Bowl year, hey, hey, you know, they won the Super Bowl. Teams slowly started to catch on to them and slow them down little by little. I know they ended up back in the Super Bowl and barely lost to the Patriots and all that. This just doesn't feel like this is slowing down anytime soon. And, you know, and the, 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 uh, I don't know what's the proper way, the anti Aaron Rodgers Green Bay approach where, Kansas City's got a quarterback, and they go, wait, we got Hill and Kelsey already? Whoa, that's awesome. How about we be awesomer and draft a McCall Hardman in the second round? How about we be awesomer and draft a running back in the first round? So they have played to their strength of their football team and made it a unit that now dictates the football game every week. The, the other team has to adjust to it and how they play just because that offensive unit is so great, and that's the greatness of the Chiefs and why they're so fun to watch. Yeah, I think that that's also a testament to Coach Andy Reid and Definitely. GM Brett Veach. No who, doubt. Who was the guy who was banging on the table to get Patrick Mahomes and got Andy Reid's attention in the 2017 draft to get Patrick Mahomes. They made the big trade up from 25 to 10 to get him, but also the idea, now that I have him, 
I got to get the most out of him. I don't get the most out of him by drafting defensive players. I don't get the most out of him by drafting a backup quarterback. I get the most out of him by putting other great players around him that he can rely on if they're going to take away Tyreek Hill, if they're going to take away Travis Kelsey, or at least try to take away either. We have other options to make our offense go. And, you know, you're right. And other quarterbacks with other teams, that's a good point. To get back to what we were talking about an hour ago, Aaron Rodgers has to be looking at that thinking, geez. Yeah. Phew, He's going, I, why I'd did, like why the, didn't I have a front office that right, acted that way? Right. He's going, I'll take their fourth receiver to be my second. Is that okay? I'll, maybe the fifth one. I mean, that, that's really – that that's what's crazy. But – it, it's special, and you said it right. It goes on Andy Reid and Brett Veach and what they've done. They built a spectacular, spectacular unit on one side, and on the other side, they did Chris Jones draft, Tyron Matthew, free agent, Brashad Breland, value free agent signing, and then some other guys who they have brought up through their system uh, and, and, you know, made their defense to where – Four years ago, we were just going, damn, this defense stinks. Can they stop anything? And now we go, they'll rise to the challenge. I mean, you, you don't even doubt them anymore. That's never a question. Uh, so much respect to, to everything they've done there. And that's why this is going to be an awesome Super Bowl matchup. And also, they weren't afraid to move on from a guy like a Marcus Peters. Remember right. how, remember how right. stunned everyone was mm -hmm. when it came out that the Chiefs were looking to move him? Like, oh, they're not going to trade this guy. He's a first-round pick. He's a great corner. But if he doesn't fit with your broader effort to put together a team that's all moving in the right direction, yeah. then we got to make the tough decision and we got to move on. Some injury news that is coming out of Super Bowl 55, and this is going to make the challenge even greater for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. Mitchell Schwartz, back injury. Andy Reid, the coach of the team, not optimistic that Schwartz will be ready to go for the Super Bowl. And also Eric Fisher, the left tackle, tore his Achilles tendon in the NFC Championship, AFC, excuse me, championship game. Um, the, whew, that, that's, and, and you, you know, Chris, you were talking late in the season, how the offensive line was maybe showing some signs of weakness and putting more pressure on Patrick Mahomes. He's going to have his hands full with backup tackles and JPP and Shaq Barrett chasing him around. No doubt. Vita Vea's back. Sue's going to be in his first Super Bowl. They're going to be foaming at the mouth, let alone, like we talked about a little yesterday, they're going to be told all week. You, this is our spot to win the game. We have a clear mismatch here. It's going to be about you guys. Can you win the game for us? And that's what's going to be interesting. Now, it's hard, even with these backups in, it's easier said than done. Reed does a great job of not letting D-lines just tee off. He's got all those sprint outs we see with Patrick Mahomes. All the stuff that happens behind the line of scrimmage. This guy's flying. All that slows down defense alignments because they're going, wait, where's it going? This is going that way. And Reed's going to have to have a lot of tricks in his bag uh, for, for this Super Bowl. You may have misspoken there for a second, but it wasn't a Simsism, unfortunately. Yeah. It was Ndamukong Sue not being to the Super Bowl before. He was there two oh, years ago. Oh, with the Rams. With the Rams. Does. And he Super. had a great playoff he run did. with the Rams two years he ago. Did. So uh, he's trying to get My that bad. ring. He yes. doesn't have that ring. He's been around a long time, and he's trying to do it. A guy who coordinated the defense that was in the Super Bowl last year against the Kansas City Chiefs and almost pulled off the win over the Chiefs is now the head coach of the New York Jets. Robert Sala will join us live when PFT Live continues right after this. To our players, myself and the entire coaching staff are beyond excited to work with each and every single one of you. We're gonna do this thing together. To our organization, get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. There he is last week in his introductory press conference, and he's joining us live right now, the new head coach of the New York Jets. He's Robert Sala. And, Coach, i got to tell you, you know, it's business suit season for coaches, and most of them can't pull it off. They seem awkward. They seem like fish out of water. You win. We're going to get the trophy for you. You win business suit season <laughs> for 2021 because you had it. You're comfortable. How is it that you were able to put on that suit and tie, something I'm sure you rarely wear, and come across as well as you did? Don't let it fool you. <laughs> I was uncomfortable. <laughs> well, hey, you do a great job of pulling it off. And one of the things that we've noticed about you over the years, the emotion that you bring to the sideline as a defensive coordinator. And one of the first things I thought when you moved to head coach, like how much of that emotion will you be able to show as the head coach 
because you're you're in charge of everything then and you may not want to get too emotional. Do you balance that or are you going to continue to be the guy that we've seen the past couple of years? No, that, that's a good question. It's um, as the coordinator, I didn't have to worry about fourth down. I didn't have to worry about the red flag, the timeouts, all the different things that go with uh, uh, the decision making that a, a head coach has. And so I'd imagine um, I'm going to have to scale back some and, and make sure that I'm doing a good job staying staying within the game. And I have the ability to uh, scale back if I need to. I can control my emotions. So uh, I don't think it'll be a problem. All right, Robert. Hey, c congratulations on being the new head coach of the New York Jets. Awesome. You deserve it. Way to go. Um, yeah, you're, you're all gas, no breaks comment. Like, explain that and what, what you mean by that to, to the viewers watching. You know, it started way back in uh, uh, Jacksonville when I was a linebackers coach. And I'm walking into this room, and here's Paul Puzlesny and Geno Hayes and uh, a, a pretty veteran group, guys who have been uh, accomplished in the league. And, uh, and I just... I wanted to find a way to kind of connect with them on a different level and uh, uh, just started thinking about philosophy and, and how I would uh, uh, how that connection would be made. And so when you when we talk about that all gas mantra, all gas, no break, it's, it's really life. It's how you wake up in the morning, how you are as a father, how you are as a, a husband, a friend, a teammate, uh, how you study, how you attack your rehab. It's everything you do. Are you stepping on the gas when you wake up in the morning? And are you going to bed better than when you woke up? That's just the mindset. And so when, you know, the the simplistic side of it would say it's effort on the football field, but it's so much more than that. Yeah, that's right. Well, you seem like you're all gas, no breaks. There's no doubt about that. All right. So now, like, as a defensive coach, I know you've hired a defensive coordinator. How do you balance, you know, being the head coach, but yet you've been the defensive play caller the last few years? And kind of how's that going to shake out now that you're the, the, the lead man in charge? You know, I was uh, very fortunate to get Jeff Albrick and, uh, you know, the, the pieces that we've been able to add on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of trust with those guys. They know how, how we want things done. They know how the system operates. They know what I like. Um, and so to be able to have that transition is going to, I feel like is going to be seamless. So I'm not really concerned about um, the, the play calling aspect of it. You know, just when, you, when you're together and the way we game plan and the way the defense kind of works, it, it really ends up calling itself once game day hits. But uh, to be able to have that connection, that trust on the defensive side of the ball so I can maintain that connection with offense, special teams, and really just the entire organization and Joe Douglas and his staff, uh, I think is just so important, especially when you're trying to get a team to buy in as one and lock arms and, and do things together. Hey, Coach, it was way back in week two, but you had the opportunity to prepare to face the Jets as defensive coordinator of the 49ers. Who are some of the guys that gave you concern that stood out to you that you think you're going to be building around now that you're the coach of the Jets team? You know, just from a defensive perspective, looking at the offense, uh, you know, the left tackle, Makai, he's fantastic. Uh, he had a really nice rookie year. See if we can build on that. Um, obviously, Sam, uh, I do believe Sam is a very talented young man. Um, there's a reason why he was the third pick in the draft. And I've said it before, his arm talent, uh, his fearlessness in the pocket, his uh, ability to make decisions in a timely manner. Um, his mobility is uh, underrated. Uh, the young man has a lot of uh, a lot of juice in the tank, and he still has a, a lot to accomplish. He's only 23 years old, so he hasn't even scratched the surface on life. So uh, excited to, to get a chance to work with him and continue this process all the way through. So um, Crowder, obviously, we know how accomplished he is in the slot, and so there's a, there's a lot of really good, cool pieces in the on this offense on the offensive side of the ball that. Uh, going into it, we felt like if we weren't diligent and making sure that we were on our job, that it could have gotten, they could have got hot. And, uh, um, and you know, defensively, obviously, not to get into all the uh, different players, but there's some pieces there too. You know, you got CJ Mosley's phenomenal linebacker. Quinnen Williams came on strong at the end of the year. Um, I, I can go on and on, but it's, it's, the cupboard's not bare. This is a, these are good young men. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of high character individuals on this football team and, and a lot of guys who just want to win. Robert, there's always like the the talk about defensive coordinators. Who are they going to hire? What's their offense going to look like? You know, oh, can they groom a young quarterback? All those issues. You've been working for a psycho head coach, offensive coordinator type. I mean that in a good way, as you know. But yeah. you know, what is your vision of the offense? You bring Matt Lafleur, and it kind of sounded like right there, just to be real with you, that you're go you're going into this season with Sam Darnold as your quarterback. Am I wrong there? And 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 please go ahead. So uh, I, I've been very, very fortunate, you know, from when I got into the league with uh, Gary Kubiak, spent five years with him in that uh, uh, bringing the Shanahan system. And that's where I first met Kyle and then another four seasons uh, with Kyle Shanahan. So 10 of my seasons in the NFL, I, I, 
I'm losing track, I think 16 now, have been <laughs> in this Shanahan system, uh, being very intimate with regards to being able to go to meetings, having conversations and so on, knowing what it looks like. And then on the flip side, being able to practice against it. Right. Um, it's it's an SOB to go against on a day in and day out basis, the shifts, the motions, the personnel groupings, the uh, all the different variety of things that they do. But yet they make it so simple for the quarterback to operate at a very high level. And so when you when you look at uh, what will be obviously there's that Shanahan system that everyone's going to attach it to but Mike LaFleur is ready he's been with them since Cleveland he rebuilt it he was part of the rebuild in Atlanta part of the rebuild in San Francisco and so he's ready to put his touches on it and I could imagine that he's going to put his wrinkles on no different than what his brother did in uh, Green Bay and putting their wrinkles to it and but understanding how the system works what it's supposed to look like and then being able to make that thing evolve no different than what we did on the defensive side of the ball taking what seattle did way back with the legion of boom and what we've morphed it into in our time in san francisco so really excited about little mikey um mike mike lafleur he wants me to call him mike uh, <laughs> i'm just so used to him i've known him for so long but right. uh but i'm i'm there's so much confidence in him there's it's not a matter of if he's going to be a head coach it's when uh the kid is uh, the young man's incredibly bright uh, and he's got a tremendous vision for what he wants this thing to look like. A year ago, Robert, you were getting ready to face the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes with that awesome pass rush, and he's so slippery. He's so hard to get to get a hold of once he decides he's going to run away from even the best pass rushers in the game. What advice would you give to the Tampa Bay pass rushers as they get ready to try to be the ones who can get to Patrick Mahomes and bring him down and keep him from torching him down the field? You know, there's a uh, uh, guy, you, you got to be relentless. You have to be relentless. Just when you think you might have him, he might step two steps back and then throw off his back foot. And I mean, he has a ridiculous arm talent. He's got tremendous accuracy. He's got tremendous mobility. But uh, anytime you're a pass rusher, just understand that he he might do his little old man jog in between plays where he looks like his feet hurt. But don't, don't kid yourself. I mean, the, the, he's got tremendous mobility. His arm strength is ridiculous. You have to be relentless all the way through and uh, understand that there could be a play and a second play that happens just because of his ability to extend plays and, 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 and make the throws that other people can't. Robert got to ask about you know the, the the elephant in the room with Sam Darnold. You kind of hit about hit on it, but it's a huge topic up here, you know, in the New York area. You know, it's the should we draft a quarterback? Is Sam Darnold the future? You know, I'm with you. I, I think he could fit your system and things like that very very nicely. But where are we as far as that process, that conversation within the organization? You know, when when you're talking about the quarterback. I, I think universally, we'd all agree it's the most important position on the football field. Um, Sam has shown has, shows uh, all the tools that you would want. There's a reason why he was a third pick, like I said. But to to give an answer now and not go through all the different conversations that need to have need to happen, yeah, um, and to act emotionally would be very irresponsible to that. Not only that, not only to Sam, but as an organization and to to the, that position in general. And it's no different dealing with all the different positions that we have. There's just so many discussions. We just got here. We're just turning on the tape. Um, the draft is however many months away, free agency and all that. So there's so many different things that have to be talked about uh, with regards to, to reshaping this roster and the vision of, of Joe, his staff, and ours. The Jets were once coached by Bill Parcells, who said, among other things, many things we can't say on air, but he said, if you want me to cook the meal, you got to let me buy the groceries. How involved will you be? In selecting the groceries for the New York Jets, you know, there's the one of the one of the greatest things of organizations, and uh, the again being lucky to be a part of Seattle, San Francisco, even Houston, Jacksonville. There, there's a collaborative effort that takes place in these great organizations that are able to have sustained su success. And uh, what we've learned in San Francisco, and what our conversations with Joe, and uh, the reason why the Jets were so exciting to me, and being here in New York is. Joe really wants a partner um, and uh, he, he really wants to have a collaborative effort and uh, with Joe and Jaime and, and that communication, Christopher, even uh, Johnson, there's, there was a genuine feel to the communication that they want with regards to how we do things together, not just from a player standpoint, but organizationally. Um, and that's what was most exciting is that it was, it wasn't looking for a head coach. It was looking for a partner. And that's why it just, it, it's so exciting to be here. So like more importantly, how do you, 
How do you really get your workouts in and stuff now? How do you get that big vein in your neck to pop when you're the head coach? Where are you going to find time to hit the weights and run up the stairs of the stadiums now? But you know what? I was at 5.30, got my bod pot in, get ready to roll. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll find a place. You got to find a place for a little little you time and uh, take care of yourself. So I'll, I'll find time. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Uh, let me spin it back however many years we have to spin it back, Robert. When was the moment for you personally that you knew in your heart that you were going to end up coaching an NFL team as a head coach? Uh, when, did it, when did it become a realization? When, uh, when did you just know? When's that moment that you just knew this is, where, this is my destiny, this is where I'm going to be? Well, I don't know if I ever I, – I don't know if um, – I'm – I was pessimistic on my opportunity to become a head coach, even though it, it felt like it was a real possibility as we went through the interview process, you know? So um, just, you know, you just go through and you can't help but listen to your family and all that stuff and whatever uh, negative voice might come from, from, from the outside sources. But, um, but still, I knew I wanted to coach. Um, uh, and really when I was in college, I, I knew I wanted to coach and I went against my instinct when I went, when I graduated college and I got into the corporate world uh, at Comerica Bank. And, you know, we, we all need those nudges every once in a while. And, you know, the, the story's wrapping around with 9-11 and the nudge that it gave me to, to pursue my, my passion. And so um, how that went, I obviously you, the aspirations to be at the top of your profession and anything you do is always at the forefront of my mind and just to try to just be my personal best everywhere I was um with that long-term goal in mind but um but not until uh uh the jets called that i say man it's happening and it's supposed to be exactly where it is so so it's pretty exciting well what like you've worked with some great coaches you've talked about that a little bit like when you just think like you know pete carroll kyle shanahan you know some of the other ones what's the first thing that pops to your mind that you're kind of gonna take to your own job and try to you know infuse into your own football team so Pete, Pete, my, my time in Seattle was unbelievable. Um, and not just from an X and O standpoint, but just an overall growth standpoint. You talk, you know, Pete uh, challenged us every day to, to look inside ourselves and, and figure out what was important to us as individuals from, and he always said that if you, in moments of adversity, your true character will reveal itself. And it's so important to connect to yourself and know what you can and you can't do and what is what it is that you value as an individual so that when those adversity moments hit your true character will shine and so really challenging myself in that regard to really identify with myself so that way i could be real with these guys and still give them everything they need so they can perform on sunday and show that investment uh without it being fake um gus bradley and the way he taught x's and o's ken norton jr and how um how to talk to a, a professional football player because they can't necessarily grasp everything a coach can and they've got to do it in 30 seconds so how can you have that conversation with them uh rocky seto was there with uh uh chris richard and and you know they're so strong in faith and just how to be a father how to be a man and so for a young 30 year old just being in that building with the, with that group of men for it, it was just uh uh especially someone who was thirsty and just starving for knowledge it was it was a blessing Hey, Robert, we, we work with some Jets fans who have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the team to turn around. What's your message to them and all Jets fans who have been waiting a long time for their team to morph into a contender? How much longer will they be waiting? You know, I'm not going to put a time on it, but what I will tell you is that everything that we do, uh, every conversation that we have is designed to win championships. And uh, and I'm not going to say when it's going to happen, but I there's I am, I am a believer in faith. I am a believer in process. And there is no doubt in my mind that eventually we're going to get there. Um, there's a lot of work to be done, but at the same time, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that we can win championships here. Well, we'll let you get back to work along those lines. We know you got plenty to do as you get ready for your first season and everything that goes into it. Congratulations on the job. And we look forward to talking to you again down the road, coach. Thanks guys. Really appreciate it. See you coach. Be good. All right. Take care. See you. All right, there he is, Robert Sala. Great stuff from him. Chris, any thoughts? Well, I, I, I love, you know, whether it's this press conference yesterday 
you know, you could see right there the energy he has. It kind of exudes off of the, the camera. I mean, it really does. You could tell he's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and 8.30 and ready to go, and he worked up at 5.30, like he said, and had the bod pod and all those type of things. That, to me, is what I'm excited for Jets fans. He's going to bring an energy to the organization. He's going to bring a, you know, a lunch pail mentality to the organization, too, like you just heard. It's, no, punch the clock. We come here to work. We're challenging you. We challenge you to challenge yourselves, and we're going to have great energy in the building every day. And listen, football, hey, yeah, it's X's and O's, but the, the biggest thing is still some of the basics being together, having energy, one focus goal, tackling, playing hard. You do some of those things. I don't give a damn what your X's and O's are. You'll have a chance to win football games, and I think that's what he's going to bring to this team. And the one thing I wanted to ask him about right out of the gates, the idea of balancing that emotion that we are so used to seeing, and we love it, right? You love watching a football game, and the camera always finds him because right. he's so animated. You, you don't see many head coaches who are that way unless they're extremely upset at the officials because you have to constantly be within that broader right. moment of the big decisions you make on game. Dude, we talk about this all the time. The yeah. head coach really doesn't have to do much on game day, especially a head coach who doesn't call plays. You're just there for the big things, and you're making sure everything is has fallen together and right. is working right. And then when you have to field goal or touchdown, go for it on fourth down, uh, go okay, onside kick, all the little things that become big moments in the game, that's what you have to be ready for. And you can't be all fired up and caught up in the moment because you have to make a dispassionate decision. No, you're right. He'll have to balance that. And, and I hope it doesn't balance too far into you know, you know, being too peaceful. I, I do want him to keep that energy and what he does because I think it's – infectious on the sideline too now you know Jeff Ulbrich is very similar that way he's got a vein that pops out of his neck and he'll be the psycho too on the sideline as well to join the crew there but I do think that's important to you know not that he has to be that totally but to be himself you know but yes realize in those situations whoa I can't go crazy and you know you know fist bump and head bump Quinn and Williams here I got to remember it's fourth down safe punt those things all that uh, but but I don't want him to lose that. I think it's one of the best things about him. Yeah, that's right. You got to be true to yourself. And yeah. I think about one of his mentors, Pete Carroll. When you see Pete Carroll on the field before the game, during the game, there's an energy there. You still have to contain it and control it during the game. Right. But you know he's out there before the game, throwing the football around, moving around like Showing a guy thirty years yeah. younger than he is. Yeah. I mean the <laughs> not. I mean he's a different guy, folks. Pete Carroll morphs into a different human being when he walks out onto a football field. You see him away from the field, and it's like, well, what happened to Pete? Was he in an accident? Like, he's not moving. You know what I mean? And as soon as he's on the field, he's hopping and popping around all like over the, the place. And youth, I just think I that's that joy, I think, that comes from from getting to the pinnacle of your profession. And it's the, the story, Chris, that, you know, he's in the financial world, and 9-11 and causes people to reevaluate where they are and what they're doing. And he had a brother that I think they'd lost track of for yeah, 24, 24 hours, hours, and they weren't right. sure what had happened to him. And, and it causes you to ask yourself, what, what am I really doing with the time that I have here? Because we don't know how much time there's going to be. And, uh, you know, let me go do the thing that I want to do. And it's not easy, as we discussed last week. You got a good swanky job. You're making good money in the financial world. And then all of a sudden, you're making 18 grand. Right to to be at the lowest level right. of coaching, right? Because you got to prove yourself, right? Right? It's well, you got to prove that you love it. So we're not going to pay you anything because that's going to prove that you love it. It's not easy to do. No, it's not easy to do, especially when you're wearing the golden handcuffs that come from having a, a job in the private sector that's paying you pretty good money. No doubt. I mean, listen, the, the, that private sector they work hard to do all those things, but not the, not not NFL head coaching work. Uh, that's that's psycho work. That's a sacrifice of life. And yeah, there has to be something burning inside you to want to go do that and, and be that. There, there really does. You're going to have to be willing to go, okay, I'm not going to see my wife many times over the next six or seven months. Kids, you know, yep, I'll see you Saturday if we got a home game. Other than that, sorry, I don't see you much either. It's a huge sacrifice being a coach in the NFL. And he went all in. He went all in, and it, it's paying off, and that's uh, that's great to see. Speaking of kids, he has six. Six. Whoa. Whoa. And, 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 and by the way, and, and look, this isn't just me. 
deciding to stir up something other than butter here. I got people who talk into my ear and Pete's saying, oh, by the way, it makes it even more insulting that the Texans didn't interview him and did interview Josh McCown, who's never coached anywhere. Right. And you know, yes. it does. No, it does. Yes. I, I thought about asking that question, but I just said, let's keep it happy and, you know, uh, not getting into those kind of conversations. But yes, obviously, it's great to see a guy like Robert Sala get the head coaching job. One, he's earned it. He did really good things as far as what his players did on the field. There is an energy and a culture he brings to your defense and your team by what you see, you know, of him that way. And, you know, again, I think this is where I'm hoping football can change a little bit to where it doesn't always have to be about the offensive genius. You know, there is something to be said about, like we talked about, hitting, tackling, energy, leading men, you know, doing the right things that way. That's, that's more than half the battle in the NFL. And then you try to toy with the X's and O's to make yourself even better. But uh, that's where I think he can really separate himself. And I think there's a lot of coaches out there like that. Not a lot, but some out there that are worthy of being able to do that and be an NFL head coach. And right now it's just all about the offensive coordinator guy. Last thing I'll say about it, I'm very proud of you for one specific reason. When you were starting to ask the quarterback question, I thought you were going to ask him about Deshaun Watson. <laughs> and and you've, you've learned, you've learned. He can't he talk can't, about. He can't talk about Deshaun Watson. Nope. So that's good. But I was, as you were starting to get into it. Thank you. I'm thinking, here it comes. Here, because I've been in that <laughs> Who did situation I do before. that to with the combine? Here it comes. Who did I do that? Pittsburgh? Did I, I do that I, with uh, I, Colbert? I, I think I did. I think I asked him about Le'Veon Bell or something like that. And he was like, you, well. You asked, you yeah. asked somebody about a player on another team that had been linked to that team. Right. It's tampering and you can't talk about it. Right. And, but that was good. It was good. You've learned. Thank You've you. Learned. I was, I was thinking, Oh no, here comes the Deshaun Watson question. <laughs> and uh, um, I think Robert Sala would have known that he can't say, yeah, well, you know what? I think we'd trade for him. We'd maybe send two first round picks and Sam Darnold. He's, he, you can't do it. And they, they rarely do it. Although Bruce Arians did it last year at the scouting combine. He made it clear he was going after Tom Brady and he got him. And it worked. They're heading to the Super Bowl. We're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to draft our favorite Super Bowl storylines as we sit here 11 days removed from the NFL championship game for the 2020 season. We'll be back with more right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There, there is a theory that your watch doesn't work. Oh. Does your watch work? Yeah, the second hand's moving. It's there. Um, I don't know if you could see it right now. Now so it's not set to proper time. That's okay, what it's that's not. the problem. Yes. So, some, somebody said that it was showing 6.55 a.m. at 20 minutes after 7. That would so. be right. Yeah, right now it's showing. <laughs> right now, well, yes, exactly. Right now it's showing 10.19 and it's 10.41 a.m. That was last week on the Joint Mega Picks podcast as someone, an eagle-eyed viewer, noticed that Chris Sims' watch is not telling the accurate time. We have another question and someone is asking for a favor f-a-v-o-u-r so i'm assuming it's one of our viewers in the uk uh, i spent the last 30 minutes of today's show looking at chris's watch 
could you ask what make it is and let me know, please? Or he can tell me tomorrow on the show. <laughs> so, David, you asked for it. Chris, what is the make of your watch? Well, well, what, who says that people just get to email and get answers on TV and questions? Who just like, OK, I got to just tell you where I got my watch and everything like that. That's the way this is going to go down. Okay. Wait, are you like Jake Jarmel and his glass frames? Okay, fine. That's all right. I'm going to ask you a question I see on social media tomorrow. Okay, so get ready. Uh, my watch is a Zenith watch. It is something I splurged on, um, I think, after I got my first big contract in the NFL or, you know, the first time I got off my rookie contract. I bought it at a charity event with Jeff Garcia, something there that helped contribute to the, the, the event itself. So the watch is a Zenith watch uh, for our now, view, viewer out there. Now, given your history, right, if it was anyone else, I would just defer to the pronunciation. Is Zenith the deliberate alternative pronunciation of Zenith? Is that how they do it? Is it? Are they trying to distinguish themselves from the people who used to make the TVs? That's a good question. I don't know, and I don't know if I'm saying it the right way or not. I don't know. <laughs> I just like the damn watch. <laughs> uh, I'll say this yes. to tie it all back to the top of the show. I got an email, I think, yesterday that Aaron Rodgers has a deal with Zenith or Zenith. And my first thought are you was, serious? I thought they quit making TVs years ago. But yes. it was, but it was the watch or the TV. Yes, it's the watch. Well, yeah, the watches they've been around for a long, long time. It is a it's the best watch I've ever had. I love it. I really do. Um, I paid a, I paid a pretty little penny for it. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but yes, it's a great watch. And man, well, that's great. Hey, Aaron Rodgers. Hey, that nitwit you see next to me right there. Uh, I don't say anything he says. Yes, he's a fool. Don't read that garbage. Send me a free Send watch. Me a watch. <laughs> Send me a watch, Aaron. I don't have one. Now, wait, wait. The one you're wearing today, that's not the one you had last week that doesn't tell the right time. No, it's that was another one. one. Yes, that was. Does this one tell the right time? It does, but it's not set right now either. Right now, it's showing two <laughs> 235 right now. Well, well, you're late for lunch. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, we're late. Let's do our, our draft. Best Super Bowl narratives. I got a question for you. This will be the 14th ever Super Bowl that is a rematch of a regular season game from earlier in the year. The, right. The, it's actually the last game the Bucks lost right before their bye. Week 12, they lost at home to the Chiefs. What was the last Super Bowl game that was a rematch of a regular season meeting? Man, I don't know here. This, this is a good question. There's, I, and I've thought about this all week. First off, like, Pete, I'd like you to look up, too. What's the record on the, the team that won the regular season matchup? I mean, I know my dad, they played in two Super Bowls where they beat the Broncos in the regular season, won the Super Bowl, lost to the Bills, won the Super Bowl. You know, we've seen it throughout history. You know, the Rams lost to the Titans, right? And then they came back and beat them in the Super Bowl that year. I think the last one is Patriots-Giants, 2011. Uh, yes. Right. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty, well done. I'm pretty good. If well you haven't done. heard, I'm a historian. But, yes, that was – I can still remember the game. Eli Manning drove them on a, a, a late drive up in New England and threw a ball in the back of the end zone to beat the Patriots up there in the regular season. And, then of course, we know what he did in the Super Bowl. Five of the last seven rematches in Super Bowls have been won by the team that lost in the regular season. And Tom Brady has played in the last three rematches, and he is one and two in the rematches. His first Super Bowl was a rematch of a Sunday night game, I believe it was, between the Rams and the Patriots at Old Foxborough Stadium. The Rams won that game. The Patriots obviously won the Super Bowl. And then both years— against the Giants in the Super Bowl. Patriots won in the regular season, lost in the postseason. All right, let's 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 get through our draft of the top storylines for Super Bowl 55. Chris, you're up. Okay. Um, my first, oh, I mean, The first one to me is, is GOAT versus future GOAT. That, that, that's my favorite you know, storyline of the Super Bowl. And we got the guy that we're all looking at. Yeah, it's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. Yes, he's got all the awards, all the Super Bowls, all of those things, certainly. But we got a guy here who it's only his third year as a starter. He is not at all scared of Tom Brady. He's won a Super Bowl already. He's here for the second. And there's no doubt he's clearly a more talented player, you know, specimen altogether. So if he can get there that many times or something close to it, it's going to be a great storyline. I think this puts more pressure 
uh, on on Patrick Mahomes. I really do. I, I don't think Patrick Mahomes, even in that post-game press conference, I know I'm reading into this and I don't know this, I don't think he was happy that he had talked about Brady in his 150th Super Bowl appearance. I think that was like, damn. I got to catch this guy. So I got to win this game because then it's a two game swing as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. And I think that he is very aware of that. And I'm sure he's sick of talking about Tom Brady to a degree. But that to me is the the, the big theme of the game. Yeah, it's going to be six versus two or seven versus one, Ooh. depending upon how this game goes. And uh, he's going to be six behind if he loses. All right. For me, uh, simple. Can the Chiefs pull off the repeat? No one's done it since the 0304 Patriots, and it was Tom Brady and the Patriots who stopped the Seahawks from doing it. Super Bowl 48-49, the right. fateful Malcolm Butler play that kept the Seahawks from winning the game. Although who knows, maybe and the then Patriots the Eagles stopped them. Win it, but you know, and then the Eagles stopped the Patriots from repeating. Right, but can the Patriots stop the Chiefs? Can Tom Brady be a guy who has blocked two different teams from? Getting the repeat, something that the that hasn't been accomplished by anyone since the Patriots did it nearly 20 years ago. Yeah, it's it's a great you know it it's a great thing because you know first off repeat Super Bowls for I don't know what was it the first 40 years of Super Bowls were very common or you know teams that have that chance you know maybe it's not the first 40 but maybe it's the first 35 or so. I mean we had the Broncos and the Packers who played in both you know the Cowboys they they did it. Uh, of course, the 49ers in the 80s, the Steelers, the 70s, all of that. So it's it's been there. It's just crazy how it hasn't happened in a long time. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, it was Packers. Let me see. Let's yeah. let's let's yeah. check our. I know we're running out of time, but it was Packers. It was Packers, Dolphins, Steelers twice. Right. 49ers, Cowboys, and Patriots. Right. Yeah. Did I miss anyone? I think so. Did the 49. Yeah, I think we got them. You all. said Packers, Dolphins. Yeah. yeah, you got it. I think yeah. you hit them all. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Way to go. I left out the Broncos. Um, I was going to say one other thing, but yeah. I don't remember now, so go ahead. Jordan. All right. Well, that's all right. Oh, I know what I'm going to say. Go ahead. Hey, nobody's ever won three. If the Chiefs win this one, what are we going to talk about all year? Can they be the first to get three in a row? That's yeah. what I was going to say. Well, yeah. I, you know, listen, you know me. I think they're a team that loves this. They thrive in it. They love it. That's why I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the year. I think they like the bullseye and being the biggest show in town, and that's what's kind of fun about them. I think the Tampa home Super Bowl one is the next one I'm going to go with here. You know, it, it is phenomenal, and it, I think it adds to it that it's like it happens, you know, in a year, of course, where Brady just goes there and makes it happen. I think that adds to the story. Like, this has never happened in 55 years of the Super Bowl, but here comes Johnny King of the Super Bowls, Tom Brady, and he makes that happen too. That, that to me is really cool. I, it's where I'm very disappointed we are stuck in a pandemic because I'd love to see the full fanfare of a team at home in their own city and all that. I think it'd be really cool. But either way, it's still cool and, uh, you know, good for the Bucks. It's amazing. Makes it a little less unfair, doesn't it? Because it would seem unfair. And it's amazing it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Because there's a fairly tight rotation of cities that get right. these games. It just turns out that it never lines up just right that those teams end up in the Super Bowl that year. But it would feel a little bit unfair. But we've been to Super Bowls where, I mean, my, last year it felt like a Chiefs home game. Yeah. It, you know, you can Everybody have fans that. of one team right. overrun a city. Right. All right, next one for me. Um, how about this one? Let's go back to Super Bowl 42 when the Patriots and Tom Brady were facing a defense that was able – to uh, get after him, and it did, yeah. and it kept him from winning the Super Bowl. Who was right. the coordinator of that defense? Yeah, Steve Spagnola. Steve right. Spagnola, right. coordinator of the Chiefs defense. Right. And he'll dust off that playbook from Super Bowl 42, and he's got Chris Jones, and he's got Frank Clark. And, you know, I I've been thinking a lot about trying to justify taking the Bucks to win this game, and it's getting harder and harder the more I think about it. And one of the reasons is Steve Spagnola versus Tom Brady, a reunion 13 years later. Agreed. He's he's a great coach. He's a great coordinator. He's the he is a huge reason and why the Chiefs are the Chiefs. You know, we talked about it earlier in the show. The defense was a real, real downfall until he got there and they've gotten better and better. And he's an outside the box thinker and he'll do things that he's never done all year in this game. And that plays into a big advantage when you're playing an experienced quarterback like Brady. Because there's gonna be defenses he's gonna run and he's gonna go, Yeah, I know you've seen everything, but 
you ain't seen this one on film this year. You didn't see us do this. And that's where he's very, very special. All right. Uh, I think my next one is just the battle of the coaches. You know, the no risk it's, we eat a lot of biscuits coaching match, okay, between these two. These big laughable head, head coaches, offensive aggressiveness, you know, their cheeks are both rosy red all the time. They just are fun to watch in press conferences. They got a great way about them. Uh, these are two guys who, you know, were, for lack of a better way to say it, disrespected for a long time. And now, you know, they're both kind of kings of the sport and have been awesome. So that's good to see for Bruce Arians and Andy Reid. Somebody needs to craft a hamburger that incorporates Crown Royal in some way to bring the <laughs> passions of the two coaches together. Last one for me, and we touched on this with Robert Sala, can the Bucks pass rush get to Patrick Mahomes? And Sala made me laugh when he said, don't be fooled by the old man jog between plays, and he acts like he's hurt. Right. He's, he's not, and he's going to find a way to get away from you. Well, with injured offensive linemen, JPP and Shaq Barrett and Vita Vea and Dominican Sue, wow. Wow. Uh, Maybe it won't be a shootout. Maybe it's going to be two quarterbacks running for their lives all day long. All right, we're running out of time. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live right after this. Devontae Smith, one of the best prospects in the 2021 draft Heisman Trophy winner, was unstoppable in the national championship 215 receiving yards in one half before he injured his finger and three touchdowns he declined to be weighed and measured at the senior bowl on tuesday chris he's going to do it instead at the alabama pro day i guess they have better rulers better scales i don't get it um 61175 is how he's listed so yeah. maybe they do have better rulers and better scales right. there because he's probably not that tall he's probably not that heavy and it probably doesn't matter no it doesn't he's not going to let it become the the storyline that's out there about him whoa Devonte smith weighed in at 158 pounds he's not going to let that override what he's done on the field and everything like that we've seen that before you know Mackay Becton a little last year, Orlando Brown on the Ravens at the Combine. You know, he's a starting awesome right tackle. He ran the 40 and ran a 4-5-3, and it, it knocked him down. Who gives a damn when he runs the 40? He blocks every guy that comes around the edge all the time. Who the hell cares about Devontae Smith's weight? He's going to run by you and run around you and do all those things, and I, I understand him doing that. Yeah. Look, I, it, scouts get caught up. It's a CYA exercise. That's right. You want to have your little file as to why you didn't take a guy, and you want to protect yourself against any criticism if you take a guy who busts. That's it. We'll see you tomorrow. See have a ya. good day. Thanks for joining us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.